He saw a Bangladeshi passport and then he put dragged me to the side and he dragged and then there was this other woman who was his superior. Um, she dragged me, two guys from Liberia, one guy from um, Nigeria, all into a room and then started asking us questions. But, you know, in Serbia, I was interrogated and they just could not understand why I was there to visit their country. Like, do you know anybody? No. Why are you here to visit? If you don't know anybody, why are you here? I'm like, James, I cannot tell you how many times I've been stopped to check for explosives. To be honest, part of it is um, in Bangla, the word is jid. It's like stubbornness. Yes. I mm. want to carve a space for myself. I refuse to be just coward, to be, you know, to be threatened and scared into mm. submission. I refuse it. Hello and welcome to the Wingnet Travel Podcast with me, James Hammond. Personally, I have been to 50 countries. I've met so many people in my travels that I want to bring on this podcast and get their story on record. I have plenty of tips and stories to share with you as well. Are you a backpacker or a traveller or gap year student or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you. Throughout the weeks and months, you'll get many guests and solo episodes where I try to cover all range of subjects within travel. This is a casual and informative travel podcast to inspire you to travel in the future. Do you fancy some bonus content with this episode? Then fear not. If you sign up to my Patreon today, by going on to www.patreon.com forward slash podcast, then you'll find these extra features every week for Monday and Friday's episode. One bonus episode every month, some ad-free content, some early access to episodes, Exclusive added travel must have feature on every episode. Patron shout out, some ad hoc bonus episodes. You'll get a copy of my digital travel planner, which is available on Etsy, and you'll get my monthly Winging It Travel podcast magazine. If this takes your fancy, you can sign up for £4, $7.50 Canadian, $6 US a month, and I really thank you for supporting the podcast. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening and supporting this, and I'll see you soon. Cheers, James. Let's get into the episode. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode where I'm joined by travel writer, aid worker, foodie and activist Maliha Fayarous. Maliha has travelled to 97 countries with her Bangladeshi passport, which is routinely ranked in one of the lowest 10 in the world. Today, we're going to talk about what it's like to travel as a Bangladeshi, as a female Muslim, some of the more inaccessible places in the world with an unsafe passport, in brackets there. We're going to discuss privilege, wealth, gender and some other topics. Of course, I'd like to get Maliha's favourite places on record too. So welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you, James. It's lovely to be on the show. I'm doing great. How about you? Oh, thanks for asking. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, not bad, not bad. Just been watching the football this morning, so I was up really early. And oh. uh, here we are, yeah, discussing a bit of travel, which I'm re- really looking forward to. Same. Um, tell the listeners where you're based currently at the minute. Uh, I'm based in Berlin, Germany. Um, mm-hmm. I moved here in January of this year, um, and uh, it seems like I'll be staying put whatever that means. Oh, okay. <laughs> a little while. Yeah. And tell listeners, like, in terms of before Germany and up to it, were you traveling or living somewhere else? So before Germany, I was traveling for six months. Um, basically, I was working in Sudan as a, I'm an aid worker, as you know. Yeah. And I was working in Sudan till June of last year. Um, and I kind of had like a bit of a burnout situation because aid workers oh. tend to yeah, have yeah. those, of course. Um, and I left 
my life and my job and everything, packed a backpack and went traveling for six months, which, uh, to be honest, uh, is a really privileged thing to be able to do as a Bangladeshi. <laughs> but okay, um, because, uh, you know, visas are really hard. Yeah, uh, but I'm lucky, I guess. Um, and yeah, so I was traveling for six months. Like I mentioned before that I was in Sudan, before that I lived in Sierra Leone, and before that I traveled again for a couple, I think three or four months. Um, and before that I was living in Nigeria and it continues on and oh, on wow. and on. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> wow. Yeah. These are, these are unique countries for the podcast, even work and live. And I had a few people travel in Africa, but not really like, I'd say, stay there for a period of time. Like it's been sort of dipping in to one country traveling. And that's pretty cool to hear. Before we get to some details of how it is like to travel as a Bangladeshi, um, what is Berlin like? Well, right now it's absolutely gorgeous because autumn in Berlin, apparently, I, I hadn't, I have not experienced anything quite like it. Um, the city is completely clothed in like multicolored leaves and, wow. you know, there you've got like carpets of all these yellow red and like it's like patchwork leaves on and it's like a beautiful royal carpet rolled out for you which you may slip on if you're not yeah. careful yeah. <laughs> but i'm not going to talk about that oh that <laughs> sounds like you have done already how gorgeous it is. <laughs> okay. and then how i had to like steady myself a couple of times because i got completely like lost in how beautiful and how colorful everything was um and especially on um sunnier autumn day like today it's so easy to completely fall in love with berlin she's just at her most beautiful i'd say mm. um in at the moment that's how i would describe berlin but uh as a city in general it's a very unique place uh to live in i mean uh, it's just probably europe's most liberal city in many ways um there's a huge uh, left-wing population here. It's very, mm. uh, you know, sex positive, very, I don't know, like there's so many interesting things happening all the time. It's very creative. It's also very strange and very cold in some ways. I think it, it's very European. It's not as diverse as, say, London. Oh, so okay. I feel a lot more comfortable, for example, when I'm in London in many ways than I do in, in Berlin. Ah, interesting. Mm. And people are nicer somehow in London than in really? Berlin. Oh, yeah. Wow. You'd be surprised at, like, how <laughs> rude people here can be. Like, I was just like, hang on, what's going on oh, wow. at times? Um, and also people stare a lot, which is strange for me. But anyway, <laughs> it is what it is. That's but, yeah, it's a, it's a great city to live in, though. Yeah. Because Berlin was my first, well, I would say my first trip abroad, sort of an adult, 17, mm -hmm. um, but school trip. So it wasn't really like independent as part of a school trip. But yeah, really liked it. I think you're right. I I'd say it's progressive as a city. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on, leads the way mm -hmm. in a lot of things. But I'm quite surprised to hear that a lot of staring and a lot of maybe not as nice in terms of people be nice to you. It's quite interesting. That. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it is... It's easy to make friends here, I found. Like, mm -hmm. at least for me, it's been fairly easy because it's got a huge expat scene now. Slowly, yeah. it's becoming more multicultural. But I feel like London is more historically multicultural. Berlin has been uh, historically yeah. fairly poor and fairly German until, you know, the, the history, as you know, yeah. with the Berlin Wall and so on. So, you know, it's not got a thriving, strong international community like London does, for example. Okay, interesting. I did live in London, so I have my reservations about it. 
but <laughs> I, course. yeah, it's, it's a love hate. I think. Yeah, I mean, same for me in Berlin, to be honest. Okay, fair, fair. Mm. Uh, but I need to go back to Berlin. I need to check it out as a as an adult, mm. and it'd be one of those places that I'd be excited to go to. So it's on my list. Yeah, I'll still be here. So come. Say oh, hello. cool. We'll go for uh, wherever you want, coffee, whatever. Yeah, Beer, drinks, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. We're in we're in Germany. You yeah, can't yeah. go for a coffee. Come on. Yeah. True, true, true. Okay. And before we delve into some interesting subjects about traveling as a Bangladeshi, growing up in Bangladesh, was there ever sort of like travel was always on the cards or was it something that you sort of grew into as an adult? Or was that always something that was sort of taught to you by parents or by family members? So it's worth mentioning that I have only spent I spent less than half my life in Bangladesh. So mm-hmm. I did spend some of my childhood also in other countries okay um my parents are huge travel enthusiasts and i am so insanely lucky because like the first time i was on a plane was at age four and my first destination funnily enough london (laughs) yeah so yeah of course i have a strong bond you know south (laughs) asians and britain (laughs) colonial history and so on we're like always like hey (laughs) You thought you got rid of us? We're back. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah. So we went. Uh, we went. So I've been traveling since I was four years old, and I, I, I mean, I always tell people the story. Like the first time I was sitting on a plane, and you know, kids cry in airplanes. I nada stared out the window, completely amazed that there were clouds. We were literally going through the sky. <laughs> As basically a bird. I was so excited and it was so amazing. And then my mom was like teaching me how to like, you know, swallow my breath. So my ears aren't blocked and so mm-hmm. on. And yeah, so it started when I was really young. Um, it's not very common for Bangladeshis to travel so much because a it's a huge wealth privilege thing. It's a oh, yeah. huge, you know, language privilege, visa privilege. There's just so many things that stop you from traveling when you're um, Bangladeshi. But and especially as a Bangladeshi woman, like there are even more gendered norms that are applicable to you than they are for men, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and but because my parents are huge travel enthusiasts, they made it a point that every other year, as often as they could, we would go somewhere new. Their idea of a gift for me were a lot based on experiences. What experience? It's amazing. It's like when I think of it now, how absolutely crazy progressive their mindset oh, was. Unreal. Yeah. Like unreal. And I remember I was like a teenager. I was maybe 15 or 14 when my dad made me start filling, or even younger, filling in all the visa applications and forms and everything by myself. He's like, no, you need to start doing this on your own. And when we'd go through immigration, all the forms we'd have to fill in and then standing in the queue on my own and so on, like he really geared me towards that as well. Mm. Yeah, I think I I, I breathe and bleed travel. Yeah, that's, that's very lucky because I think where I could maybe relate to sort of some sort of privilege is that my parents couldn't afford to travel. So I never traveled. Mm. So I never mm. had the opportunity to ever go on a plane until I was 17. And then mm-hmm. any travel was local. So oh, okay. I've talked about that previously on a few episodes where mm-hmm. like, it was just never on the cards. Like mm-hmm. if you if you said to me, like, I don't know, when I'm 12 or 13, oh, are you talking to Spain this year? What, Spain? No, 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 no. Like it, it would be absolutely out there. Mm. So um, just because the economic situation, which does happen in all countries, I think mm. obviously in more than some other countries, but yeah. So it's quite interesting. You're out there at four, 
super cool. And also your parents, I guess, traveled on Bangladeshi passports as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very interesting because I know it definitely is a huge privilege to be able to have the money to travel. But also, um, I think the way Bangladeshi families are set up is very different. So, for example, in the UK, you had your you pro your parents probably had a mortgage that they had to pay for, right? Couldn't afford um, a house. <laughs> oh, yeah, very very working class. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, fair enough. No, no I mean, fine. like yeah. a lot of people have like mortgages that yeah. they have to pay for, or, or other things like cars, mm. loans for that stuff. So, uh, our setup is. In, in Bangladesh, it's like it's a joint family. So my father lived in the family home with, you know, my my uncles living on the top floor and then okay. my grandmother living. So it's like a very communal living space. So we didn't have that, like, oh, I should buy a house and have a mortgage. And uh, so, on and so, forth. so yeah. those types of expenses just never, never really existed for us. It's, it. it's like we live together which cuts down so many costs in so many ways. I mean, it has its own set of problems. Don't get me started. <laughs> but for sure, they um, definitely um, focused a lot on on, on using all, all the money that they could save to go traveling. Right. As opposed to, I don't know, buying something. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> whatever that might be. Yeah, a lot of people do. I think it's right about the experiences. And a lot of people do actually buy stuff, right? Mm. So it could be a house. It could be a car. Mm. Be the, the latest gadget. But it never exactly. really fulfills you to an extent. Like even today, like this is a huge privilege. Like we bought an iPad, right? Mm. But it's weird. The anticipation is like, yeah, yeah, let's buy it. You buy it. So I've done it. It'll come today. But in, by next week, it'll just be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Like, it's exactly. weird how you fall for it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's the dopamine that yes. you get from yeah. making a purchase. And like, you know, the world, like, it, the, corporations know that they yeah. know that how they could i mean i feel the same when i'm buying a flight i'm like oh my god yeah 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 that's Last. a bit different though isn't it because that's, that's linked yeah. to an experience i think exactly um, that's always justifiable that. yeah 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 absolutely <laughs> everything yeah <laughs> all my money that goes there <laughs> yeah but it's crazy i think the whole economy is based on you getting that dopamine anticipation here of buying something mm -hmm. well imagine people didn't buy anything then the way it is at the minute economies would be well, I guess they're bad at the minute, but they'd be even worse. Yeah, I mean, it's a whole conversation, right? Capitalism. Yeah, yeah. And... Oh, God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, not this episode, but we, we can maybe yeah. arrange something in the future. Yeah. <laughs> yes, probably a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> so based on experiences, when mm -hmm. you're growing up, did you then think, okay, I'd like more of this? Was there sort of a plan in your mind, maybe when you grew into adulthood, that I want to do more of this on my own? Yeah, so my father studied in the UK. Of course, oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> of course he did. Um, he uh, and because of that, like when he when he lived there, um, he went to traveling in Europe on his own. Yeah. Um, and this was like in the eighties, I'd like to say, late seventies, eighties, sometime like that. He kept telling me about how amazing it is to solo travel. So, um, both my parents are big, like I mentioned, big travelers and mm -hmm. so on. And they always, uh, because we traveled so much and we moved around, like my mom and I, I, I live with my mom in the Netherlands. I lived in Lesotho with her as well as a child. And I also moved to the UK for my university um, yeah. and did my law degree there. And on my year abroad, back to the Netherlands, that was the first time I went on a solo trip. I yeah. was 20 and it was wild for me because <laughs> I was like... 
it's just so much. Like the first <laughs> time you travel solo, it's a lot. I don't know if you like tell me about your experience because I'm sure we probably like it's just so overstimulating. It's a unique feeling in terms of you have the ultimate freedom. There's no mm -hmm. one beside you maybe giving you, oh, can we do something else today? And also, there's no one telling you, well, you should go there and do this. Like, you literally, mm. if you can obviously afford it, can do yeah. anything you want and go anywhere you want. There's good and bad, right? The bad would be maybe a bit of loneliness, a bit lost during some days, maybe a bit same, same. But experiences mm. of working things out, meeting random people. I was mm. in New York solo traveling, and then this person next to me in Starbucks just, just talking to me because she heard I was English. And like, I think I was on the phone or doing something. And just telling me like the best places to go to New York that's not touristy. So like you get any situations where Aww. like, oh wow. So it is really rewarding. Hmm. But there's a big caveat here that's different experiences with different people. So being mm -hmm. a white male, of I don't course. think I encountered too much difference. But I will say that I went to Antigua for 10 days and I was on my own and I was in this in a low season, so hardly anyone there. And I feel like I was the only white guy on the island. 10 days. That's yeah, a I know. Long time. <laughs> it's way too long. <laughs> way too long. Like you go there for a honeymoon for like five days. I know. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh my god. Yeah, the, the only white people I met there were missionaries from the US, and they weren't my kind of people. Let's put it that way. So I tried to speak to as much local people as possible. The locals couldn't believe that I was traveling on my own around the island in a car, because most tourists they see are from the cruise ships, right? They come in, mm. they mingle around for half a day a day, yeah. and get back on the cruise ship. They couldn't believe that I was just like going to these different places yeah, on the yeah. island. There's 365 beaches in Antigua, right? So one every day of the year. So yeah. you can spend 10 days going to a different beach every day. So if, you, if yeah. that's your thing, yeah, it's pretty cool. But yeah, traveling solo as a whole was was great. Yeah. I mean, so for me, um, that was the first time I went solo traveling. And so I'm an only child, um, okay. which also yeah. explains why, you know, my parents could afford to take me on holidays. Yeah. There's only one of me. Um, <laughs> like for me, solo traveling, the the alone bit, I, I think I've had a very, like I, I know how to kind of manage myself alone quite a yeah. lot because of how I grew up and so on mm -hmm. as well. Um, I think the thing that was difficult initially was to not feel scared because there's the fear of the foreign, the fear of being a woman, the fear yeah. of being attacked for whatever reason. Mm. At the time when I traveled solo, there was it wasn't hugely like in your face racist like it is now. I think I was not as aware as well aware. about okay. the little microaggressions. And yeah. I think Europe's gotten a lot more right wing in the yeah. last 10 years yeah. than it was when I went solo traveling. Because I remember when my friend and I, my, my Chinese Australian friend and I went to Poland, for example, together, people were super nice, friendly and, and, and kind of weirdly interested. And they were taking pictures with us and mm. stuff like, whereas now I've heard from a lot of people, like how racist it's been for them to go to Poland and how, how racist people have been towards them mm. as people of color. So I think it was slightly different back then. And for me, it was Rome. And I'd been to Rome before as a kid. But Rome, the city is, I mean, it's one of my favorite places. It breeds history. Yeah. You can touch, and I'm a history nerd. Every freaking 
brick and mortar you touch it's just full of so much history you're like breathing in like thousands of years of tradition every bite of pasta you take and especially at that point when it wasn't as touristy as it is now is just filled with like traditions and culture and and just i mean it's a masterpiece in so many ways mm. or it was um i hear differently from different people now <laughs> one of my favorite places yeah, that was a great experience to go to and, and to go to Rome for my first solo travel. It's crazy to think that Europe's going that way though, isn't it? I mean, have we not even learned anything? Yeah. I, I don't want to harp too much, but I think it's an important subject to discuss that I just get despondent sometimes. People call like people like snowflakes or lefty liberals. I just see it as just being normal. Like, why wouldn't you want yeah. to meet anyone of any color, of any race, any gender? Like, why wouldn't you want to meet all these different types of people and just like hear their story and have a laugh together and go for coffee or go for a night out or go sightseeing. Like, I just can't understand why you would not like someone based on where they're from. Yeah. Just, just baffles me. I don't know what to say, like why that is even a thing. I don't, I don't understand it either. And given Europe's history in these countries as well, it's even particularly bizarre for me. I'm like, come on, you mm. can't be that surprised after creating like, all the wars you've created or all yeah. the all the like i don't know weapons you've sold to x y and z you can't be surprised that there are like syrians in your countries iraqis in your countries or yeah. anyone else in your country like it's not shocking come on i mean that aside i just feel like it's basic humanity right why can't we just interact with each other as yeah. people why why is there this fear of, I don't know, like this scarcity mindset that, oh, yeah. if they're here, that means there isn't enough for us. But in reality, Europe is facing a huge population decline. The old population is getting bigger and bigger. And you're not, you're going to be needing the immigrants for your like workforce and your country to sustain. Yeah. No. Like countries, yeah. countries to sustain. Europe yeah. is not one country. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even like the country concept is a bit alien. I don't want to go too deep dive here and scare <laughs> the border situation. Like, I, I hate nationalism and like just having mm. borders. I know it's a bit fantasy world where we have no borders. I, I understand there's issues with having and not having it. But for me, going to France and Germany, that's it's the same. Like I, I don't see like why it has to be a this side of the border, this side of the border. Like don't come here. I just don't understand. And obviously with Brexit happening, that was oh, a low. That was yeah. a low moment. Yeah. yeah. And that's for sure. But also never tell a French or a German person that because they're going to be like coming at you at your throat <laughs> as sword enemies. <laughs> like, excuse me. <laughs> we are different. Yeah, yeah. I understand that. Like, I'd just see people as like citizens of the world, really. Uh, not citizens of country. We yeah. 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 And I really wish we were, but unfortunately we're not. And I mean, that's also part of the reason why I like to write what I do write, because I feel like there's a lot of narrative out there about traveling as a Western citizens. My whole idea is to decolonize travel because yes. travel as it stands is extremely neocolonial, right? And it's yeah. extremely, uh, for one, travel media is completely white. There's very few people of color and the people of color who are there are often from Western countries. So the way people travel is very different how, uh, quote-unquote, Western countries, I also hate this East-West uh, divide, but whatever. North-South as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah North-South, East-West, yeah. what have you, but, like, to, to like, uh, lump us together and separately in this context. Um, 
how how it's portrayed is that only white skinny beautiful bodied people should be traveling and taking these beautiful photos and be looking perfect in beach photos and their shorts and their bikinis and their <laughs> six and their whatever and mm. i'm just like of course we have a huge rise in people with eating disorders of course there's mm. going to be a huge amount of people with extreme anxiety extreme depression extreme body image issues because look at what they're looking at yeah no yeah yeah. I mean, it, me, until the age of 24 or 23, I did not feel comfortable wearing a swimsuit because nobody I saw on travel media looked like me. I know. So and the algorithm makes you only see the top percent, right? So exactly. it doesn't show you all what I would quote unquote put the normal people on social yeah. media because it, it, it aspirates the ones that look good, the right hair. Yeah. I, you know, I suffer with body image anxiety all the time even today i'm like oh i'm not gonna lose any weight like but why do i need to really feel like that i think it's linked to maybe what i think is a healthy body but that's only perceived by what i probably see on social media or by news right so social media is a problem with that and many other things i think i mean it's media in general like Uh, media yeah billboards you grew up probably seeing of these people going on beach holidays it's always and beautiful happy family yeah. where they're all looking like chiseled models and you're like <laughs> i don't look like that yeah i don't want to wear anything that looks like that because i have x y and z things and it's just awful right and mm-hmm. it also like i realized okay so i started i first did my first ever dive when i was 23 because that's when i became for the first time comfortable to wear swimsuits mm-hmm. I deprived myself of water sports for 23 years and only to realize I love water sports because media told me that people who look like me do not belong on those things. They don't belong on jet skis. They do not belong on Mm -hmm. anything that has me showing a certain amount of skin. Mm. And It's just terrifying to see that. It's terrifying to see how many and and that's for me who's comfortable even wearing a swimsuit. Think of all the other all the Muslim women who are completely like you can't people will stare at you if you wear a burkini mm-hmm. in france they're going to try and rip it off of you if yeah, you wear it in other parts of europe people might try and either say things to you you're constantly feeling like oh my god i'm on edge because i don't look or fit a certain you know way it, it's just awful it's really i feel like there's a huge need for us to unpack these these issues and make sure that travel is accessible for everyone. I mean, we can't do it. I know we can't really make travel accessible for any everyone because mm. it is a game of privilege at the end of the day. But at least in the media, we can portray diverse people. Yes, we needed. Make people feel less anxious and less lonely as well. Because yeah. for me, when I started writing this blog, I couldn't find anything. I started writing it because I couldn't find anything mm. for me to find tips from. Who, yeah. for people who are with my background or look like me or you know are like me is it fair to say that blogging is dominated by maybe white women as an I mean, industry yeah, white white people in white general people. Like okay. men and women yeah. uh with with women it's mostly um instagram it's not as much writing i think okay it's more yeah. like pictures and videos and flowy dresses and don't get me wrong i do my own flowy dress thing but like it's different it's a lot of having to carve and hit the niche audience where they're like hey, look, I look like you and I'm solo traveling around the world. Mm. So you can too, yeah. as opposed to 
like a platform where everyone's solo traveling anyway. What about podcasting, do you think? That seems to me like an avenue that's still relatively new. I know it's been around for 10 years or more, mm -hmm. but compared to like social media accounts, it's billions, right? But And there's only 3 million mm -hmm. podcasts to date in the world, which may sound a lot, but a lot of them don't carry on. A lot of them are old. So mm -hmm. maybe like current continuing podcast is quite low. I think that's an area where we can really get out to talk about these things and get it to the wider population because all you need is an app to listen to anything. Yeah. Right? So yeah. what do you think about that? Because I know that like a podcast like Alpaca My Bags, Erin is doing an amazing job talking about sustainability, travel privileges. Mm. Uh, I was listening to one about yesterday about neocolonialism and colonialism as, as a history as well in travel. Mm -hmm. So we've got these people out there trying to discuss these um, topics, yeah. which is great. That's amazing. I can't say I have listened to a lot of travel podcasts. Mm. I've started doing my own research now um, fairly recently, I'd say only this year, um, because most of the time I'm listening to podcasts on the way to work. And it's usually like some mental health related things yeah. so I yeah. can get through the day. <laughs> Please, Please. <laughs> I need to survive. Give me tips. <laughs> I don't want to shoot myself at work. <laughs> oh, Lord. Crikey. Yeah, I, I do listen to a lot of, like, self-help, I guess they're called. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm a sucker yeah. for that. I'm just trying to work it all out. All the different types <laughs> of stuff. I, I, I hear you. I yeah. definitely hear you on that. Yeah, that's fair enough. And in terms of being a Bangladeshi, a really mm -hmm. interesting point you made is about the passport. Mm -hmm. So here we go. Like, all the guests I reckon I've interviewed on this podcast so far I probably mm. had strong passports, mm. I'd say. But you were are definitely out there in terms of having one of the, arguably one of the worst passports, at least like yeah. the last 20 in the world or something. Ninth so, worst, right? Ninth worst. Okay. So that's that's grim. Now, I <laughs> just cannot put in my head how that affects, like, just the general, you're traveling for six months, right? That must be a lot of admin you, that you've got one of the worst passports. You probably just can't arrive on a visa on arrival, we probably have to do some extra work beforehand. So what has been your experiences of going to countries with that passport? Has it just been like a bit demoralizing or do you somehow keep going and, you know, go to the next country? So I know you're going to ask me this soon anyway, but I will talk a little bit about Cape Verde. Um, okay. So yeah. I, I have had really amazing and really awful experiences, both, okay. I'd say. And I can't really credit my amazing experiences to my Bangladeshi passport. I think it's more the people in whatever country I went to yeah. who made it amazing and were, were very kind and so lovely. I went to Cape Verde in 2019. Cape Verde is this tiny little island in uh, West Africa. It's in the Atlantic Ocean, like off the coast of Senegal, like in the Atlantic. It's a country I went to on the way to... Um, so I went to uh, Gambia, then I went to Senegal, and then I went to uh, Cape Verde. And mm -hmm. I was living in Sierra Leone at the time, uh, working as an aid worker. Um, and so I had the visa for Cape, Cape Verde, the landing permit, I had all the reservations for all the hotels, and I had my flight in and out of the country and the flight within the country as well. So yeah. everything out, because I just have to, I can't go with the flow. I'm not allowed to go with the flow. Mm -hmm. Every time I've uh, arrived anywhere, they want to see an out outside ticket. Like really? Is that one of the things, is it? Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's a few places they, they haven't, and I will go into that as well when I talk about my favorite places, because <laughs> they don't. <laughs> Uh, I arrived there and 
they took me, this woman, um, this man was going through our passport and then he looked at my passport, he saw a Bangladeshi passport and then he put, dragged me to the side and he dragged, and then there was this other woman who was his superior. Um, she dragged me, two guys from Liberia, one guy from um, Nigeria, all into a room and then started asking us questions. But she wasn't asking me questions because she wanted answers. She was yelling at me. Oh. She was asking me why I'm there. She thinks I'm going to Europe illegally. And I'm like, dude, first of all, I have all the paperwork and visas to go to Europe legally. Yeah. I don't need to go illegally. Yeah. I have a flight to Europe from here. Yeah. I have a flight to Germany because I was going to Germany for a wedding at the time. I have a flight out of Germany. I, I don't like I don't need to be illegal in any way, shape mm. or form. And she's like, who comes to Cape Verde for just five days? I'm like. You have nothing else to do in your country, dude. Like, <laughs> I don't need to be there for more than five days. Why are you like trying to like, she was like losing her mind about why I'm there for a few days. I'm like, look at all my reservations. If I was just coming for the sake of like, I don't know, transiting, why would I fly within two islands? And yeah, of course. I don't know. Like, it just makes no sense. None of it makes any sense. And there was a lot of interrogation to which like I, I showed her my bank account. I showed her like bank balance. I showed her my credit cards. I showed her everything. And she had all the paperwork. And she's like, no, we're deporting you back to Senegal. I'm like, you can't deport me back to Senegal. I had a single entry visa for Senegal. So there's no way I can enter Senegal. Yeah. Like if you deport me, I'm just stuck somewhere. In no man's land. Yeah. Yeah. Like where, where, how am I going to go back from Senegal to Sierra Leone even? I'm like, can you deport me to Germany? Because I have a visa <laughs> I have a flight. or can I buy a flight and go to Germany for the wedding that I'm supposed to attend? Yeah. And nothing like nothing is sitting with her. And like, essentially, eventually what happened was they, they put me, they locked me up for 17 hours with no access to food. At the time I was vegetarian. They gave me pork. I'm Muslim. <laughs> they gave me pork. I'm like, dude, I'm vegetarian. I don't eat meat. And also this is pork. Literally, yeah. I cannot, I just know. <laughs> and they give me pork. They put me, they locked me up in a room and the room next door, the guys, they had locked in the guys. And one of the guys was claustrophobic. And to this day, I sometimes hear him banging against the door, screaming and me fearing he's going to break down the door. Mm. And I don't know what would happen to me if he did break down the door, because I don't know. He was having a panic attack yeah. while he yeah. was in there. Christ yeah. The, so. I mean, if you read that post, you can feel my anxiety, like that art, uh, that particular piece of writing, because um, to this and also to this day, because of that experience in 2019, every time I go to a new country, I cannot sleep the night before. I had uh, so much anxiety. Anxiety, yeah. Like so much anxiety. I feel like my brain will explode. I feel like I, I don't know what will happen. Mm. Like I went to um, Panama in, and sometimes it's not even a new country. Sometimes it's just a, anywhere sometimes. For example, when I was going to Albania recently, right before I, I went to Albania, I was like panicking. But I know when I know I've been to Albania twice and it's never a problem. They never give you difficulty, no issues whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But like that panic stays with you that even when you have every single thing, every paper, every single Possible. piece of yeah. everything that you could possibly need, you're still going to be somehow pulled back and told that you're you're there illegally and uh, eventually they did let me in the country and that's because my mom who works for the UN contacted the UN there who contacted the immigration there who then said 
to the UN that she didn't have any papers, any reservations. She was, she, it seemed like she was just there illegally. Uh, all her visas looked fake. And I'm like, you can scan those things, man. You can scan the passport and you'll know it's real. You can scan the visa and you'll know it's real. It's not like we're not living in the time where you can't scan these things. 2019, not just, like 19. Just admit you're a mistake. Like, it's fine. Just yeah, tell you, sorry, look, we're wrong. What's wrong with that? It's just wild. It's absolutely wild. And I was utterly shocked. So, yeah, I mean, really like that. And then I've had like, you know, in Serbia, I was interrogated and they just could not understand why I was there to visit their country. Like, do you know anybody? No. Why are you here to visit? If you don't know anybody, why are you here? I'm like, is this how you talk to tourists? Like, what the hell? Yeah. I mean, I've had this in Italy, even when I had a visa, like a multiple entry visa for for Italy, like they still they're like, who are you here to see? Which friends? Are they Bangladeshi? Because Italy has a lot of migrants from Bangladesh. So I'm like, no, I'm here to see Italian friends. It's like, are you sure you're here to see your Italian friends or your Bangladeshi friends? Why does it matter? <laughs> yeah, who cares? Like, I have my freaking visa. <laughs> I don't know why you're still interrogating me, man. Like, I don't I don't understand. But what, what is the anxiety for them? Is it because they think you're going to come and stay here illegally? Yeah, but I don't know why they keep thinking that. I'm like, I'm mm. literally out of passports, man. Like, I, yeah. I haven't had a passport expire in the last God knows how many years because they run out of pages. Yeah. I'm just like, and even if I was, I'm like, seriously, I, I just, I don't I, know. I was talking to my Indian friends here and they say that visiting a country is a nightmare. So, so for some places they have to fill out an application form, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But they said as soon as they get their PR card, like for here, like mm -hmm. permanent residency or even a passport, mm. they're straight through. I'm like, that's just a bit yeah. shit because like they're just basing it on what you look like. But as soon as you get like a, a little card that says that you're here for five years, oh yeah, you go straight through. Why couldn't you go straight through before when you had the right documents as well? It's that's it's the thing. System. But it's also, by the way, sometimes it's also very race based because I've of had course, friends yeah. who are of color um, from Canada still being stopped. Yeah. Because they didn't believe that they really had a Canadian passport. I had a Bangladeshi friend who's not Bangladeshi, actually. He's born and brought up in Italy. Mm. He just looks Bangladeshi. He went to Cyprus and got interrogated the fuck out because they did not believe he was, he was Italian. Italian, yeah. These people are stuck in the old days. <laughs> this is like really, 2022. Really I'm like, right. and you're a European Union citizen within <laughs> traveling within EU and that happens to you. I'm like, geez, man, that's awful. Yeah, it's awful. And that's a good point about some of my Canadian friends. They just know as soon as they get to the airport, they're going to be probably stopped or questioned. And I just can't imagine that. Yeah, I just can't imagine that anxiety every time you go to a border, whether it's land or even um, airport. just can't imagine that worry all the time. That's awful. James, I cannot tell you how many times I've been stopped to check for explosives. <sighs> I'm just like, I, I like to believe at this point that I'm so hot. They can't believe that it's unreal. And they <laughs> protect me for explosives. Yeah. Because if you don't, you're just like, oh, my God. Like this time I was going to Copenhagen. Like I was in Copenhagen like a few weeks ago and they stopped me for explosives. I'm like, what are you checking me for? He's like explosives. And I'm like, why do I always get checked? And then he brought out a bag and he was scanning it for the explosives thing. And you know what it had in it? spices that's what it had in it <laughs> seriously <laughs> uh, yeah i have no words don't don't get it just don't get it <laughs>
but unfortunately that's the world we live in and that's only going to change if we speak about it and make people more aware mm. and that includes people who work for these board agencies you know like you know, yeah. get, get on these podcasts get on these blogs by people who yeah. are not the same race as you and just like learn about the difficulties that they go through and that, that's the only way i think it's education right that could change and how it affects you like you're thinking you're looking at me like a number right yes when you're in, you're talking to me as if i'm like irrelevant but the the serious damage you do to a human being's self-esteem mm. like what what cape verde did to me like the anxiety i feel consistently for something i love so much it's so sad like it's yeah. so so sad and they're not going to pay for my therapy are they i <laughs> <laughs> no. have try to sue them like you can't invoice the government of cape verde for no, your for no, your counseling I unfortunately should. yeah <laughs> Yeah. yeah again that's another by byproduct of behavioral practices that they have that they wouldn't ever care about because as soon as you are probably gone they're, they're on to the next one like they probably don't think yeah, about exactly. it it's just um exactly. the repercussions are, are could be could be long term yeah yeah and uh, I, I mean that was in 2019 three years on i'm still anxious constantly about that like yeah, that's i mean every time i travel it's just really hard so yeah can I also touch on traveling as a woman? I'd like to talk about that as well, because obviously that's different to any male traveling, but also there's different races of males as well, probably have different mm. um, experiences. But as a woman, I guess that adds an extra layer, I suppose, onto the anxiety. Yeah, the vulnerability. I mean, that story, like, you know, in Cape Verde also, like, you know, the fear I had of the door breaking and then me potentially being assaulted because I was on my own yeah. as a woman and that door being, you know, broken down and I'd, I just, I don't know what would happen to me as well. Like, mm. There's always a fear. I mean, as a woman, it's really sad. And I really wish I didn't have to say this, but you you see most men as threats because yeah. that's what you, you've felt. That's what you've experienced your whole life. And, you know, sexual harassment as well on the streets, like people yelling at you, cat calling you, following you, the levels of it as well. And the other thing I'd like to talk about, like, or at least briefly is as a brown woman, the fetishization in Europe is 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 a lot. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's elaborate on that. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of safety issues also, because in a lot of places, you're as a brown woman, you're fetishized and mm. considered I hate this word, exotic. Oh, and you're going to say that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, gross. There's also an added layer of security hazard because, I mean, if you meet me on the street, you wouldn't immediately know where I'm from. And so people then put me in whatever category, either they want to fetishize or they want to hate on or whatever it is that they want to do. So you just fall into this end. Like I've been called a bloody Turk. I've been yelled at to go back to Syria in Hungary. And I was like, I... I I'm from Bangladesh. I've never been to Syria in my life, <laughs> but I don't know, I guess. I mean, I've been told to go back to so many places. I'm like, oh my God, citizen of the world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't know how you do, how do you cope with that? Oh, with a, a warped sense of humor. As you yeah, can I guess you got to have a sense of humor because I know it's important, but yeah, I guess you got to like make it funny in a way just to keep going. Because it'd be, it'd be very easy for you just to like, you know what, I'm going to go hold up somewhere and just stay there not travel because i can't be dealing with all the yeah yeah all the different issues that you face to be honest part of it is um in bangla the word is jed it's like stubbornness yes i mm. want to carve a space for myself i refuse to be just coward to be you know to be threatened and scared into mm. submission 
I refuse it. I, yeah. My ancestors did not fight so hard and survive through famines and colonizations and mass murders and genocides for me to just give up. I, I, yeah. I just refuse. When I was doing my Erasmus, like I said, when I was like 20, I did my Erasmus year in the Netherlands. And um, a lot of the like Americans, Australians, uh, Canadians, what have you, um, and the Brits were trying to do this 30 under 30 thing where they would try, like, try to go to 30 countries before they're 30. Okay. I was like, you know what? I want to do 50 before I'm 25 mm. because I can or I want to. Yeah. And I did. So yeah. I, Egypt was my 50th country and I did it right before I turned 25. And wow. um, my plan after that was, okay, I want to go to 100 countries before I'm 30. But unfortunately, COVID happened. Yeah, it's unfortunate. <laughs> that was the only tragedy that came out of COVID. That I yeah. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nah, nah, nah. No, Nothing else going on. No. Yeah, it's all no, about no. me. Yeah, James. of course. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, uh, I I wasn't able to do that, but like uh, touch wood, uh, by the end of this year, I want to achieve that, and like that's a huge, huge milestone to achieve, like to hit a hundred countries, like with this passport and just to also kind of use my platform to advocate for change and mm. decolonize the way we do travel. Like, can we change the way visas are, you know, working? Yeah. Can we change the way we perceive people? Like, let's start first humanizing me or anybody humans. who, you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. let's <laughs> humanize humans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, imagine that campaign. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag humanizing humans. <laughs> I think it's got, it's got some legs to that, I think, you know? Yeah. Yeah. On multiple levels. Like, not yeah. just even travel. It could be other things. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like discrimination, right? Discrimination, like, yeah. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah, like celebs as well. We say a lot of mean things about everybody we without realizing that how much it hurts people. Mm -hmm. I wish we were like more empathetic as humans. Yeah. We could humanize each other and then there would be less hurt people starting wars maybe <laughs> yeah em empathy is a huge thing that's missing especially currently yeah. and the way it's going and that's a problem and a worry yeah i agree yeah. it goes to people treating people nice but it also goes into policies in countries that don't help people yeah as part of my work i see that consistently where I see all the countries with huge, like huge economies and a ton of money, they mm. do not need just not sharing the wealth and not yeah. caring about like how to support people and like selective empathy and so on, where it's like completely in line with only foreign policies. And of course, we should we should be pay we should be trying to shift money for humanitarian causes in Europe like the Ukraine crisis but mm. there's people like in Ethiopia like there was like a huge amount of like crisis happening in Ethiopia when all the money just got shifted to Ukraine and I'm like yeah what happens to the people that are dying yeah. Yeah. like it's really difficult also to see it Middle like East it. is another one you know, you know oh, Syria yeah. Yemen like these Yemen are still going on the whole thing yeah, yeah. I mean as soon as the media shifts their narrative yeah like, a big a big narrative like Ukraine which is obviously a problem it's hmm. a, a crisis there then people forget yeah. or tend to forget the uh, other crisis that's still going on yeah hmm. we're getting into the grim stuff aren't we we are <laughs> should, we, should we move on to the more happier stuff of the of yes the... let's Cape... go on to the happier stuff so Cape Verde so you got past the difficult patch yeah was that an amazing trip after 
you got through? No, I, I wish I had good things to say. I spent three days laying in bed, unable to move because I was extremely traumatized. Oh, wow. By the experience. So yeah. um, I just uh, bought a flight out quicker than I actually, I think I was there for two nights, if I'm not wrong. Two nights. Yeah. And then I just flew out of Cape Verde. Right. To, I don't blame you. Yeah. Germany. I just couldn't. I didn't have it in me to, to stay. Yeah. That's fair enough. Okay. Next question then. <laughs> of all the countries you've been to then, is there any countries that is not problematic in terms of a visa that you may just that enjoyed more? Okay. So for Bangladeshi, um, there's two things. For one, yeah. if it's without any other like proxy visa, so if, with just a Bangladeshi passport, you can go to, I think, 41 countries as opposed to like 180 something as with a German passport. Right. I am here. <laughs> eventually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> coming for you yeah. <laughs> um, so there are a few places you can go to like for example nepal is fairly easy for us yeah. uh, we get a visa on arrival it's like 30 days and it's free the first time in that year so oh. every year you get one free visa we don't have to pay for it yeah um and then i went to um sri lanka which is also fairly easy you do the online it's a yeah. some kind of a clearance thing and then you mm -hmm. can just fly in um that was also really easy indonesia you just arrive it's a visa oh, on arrival okay. which is yeah. really nice uh, maldives also just arrived they barely asked anything mm -hmm. um uh, the caribbean is fairly easy so dominica uh, barbados jamaica um jamaica was my 90th country it was super nice i arrived there and i'm like this is my 90th country I'm like, <laughs> um, I'm <okay." laughs> it was super lovely awesome um, and then, yeah, I mean, those are the ones that you don't like. There's quite a few islands in the Caribbean, Trinidad and Tobago as well. They asked me a lot, lot of questions, but uh, there, but it was fine. Like it wasn't any kind of scary situation. There's this thing called proxy visa. So like if when you have a either a UK, US, Canada or Schengen visa, a lot of countries allow you to go there without a, a need for another visa. So okay. Bosnia, Mexico, Turkey, Turkey, you can do an online visa if you have a Schengen or a UK or a US yeah. visa. Uh, then I, I also went to Panama, Costa Rica, uh, Dominican Republic, all of those with my um, Schengen visa. Uh, uh, I see. Entire Balkans as well. So Bosnia, Montenegro, Albania, uh, Croatia, um, Macedonia. I have an, another scary story on Macedonia as well uh, and Kosovo <laughs> all of them with uh, Schengen visa you can go so that's more based on the visa that you have alongside your passport yeah oh, okay if you have a long-term visa for yeah. not long-term you have a multiple entry visa of any of these places oh, okay. then you can go which is still like a lot better than not being able to access at all like for example the yeah. UK I can't go unless I have a British visa um UK okay. visa yeah that's probably because of brexit um, right no, no? um oh, okay. uk has always had a different visa oh, regime okay. than, uh the schengen they always ma maintained a different uh they, they don't know that oh wow okay Ooh, <laughs> you're learning things about your yeah, country but my own country i don't want to know anymore nah, she <laughs> that's why you ran away I yeah <laughs> yeah escaped but should I even be here canada like we colonized it oh great area um <laughs> Tough luck. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. Life is so hard. Should I, I be in or not? And I'm like, please, somebody give me a job so I can move. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
I'm going to delve into my features, mm-hmm. which are obviously travel base, and then we'll finish mm-hmm. at the end with um, maybe where people can find you, websites, social media, etc. Sure. My, my first feature is if you're going away tomorrow, I want to know what you're packing in your backpack, but also what you listen to and watching on those long bus rides or plane rides, whatever. So more about, okay. yeah, more personal to you than just the generic travel stuff. So my first question yeah. is on your Spotify, I guess your Spotify or Apple Music, whatever you use. Apple Music. Yeah. Apple Music. What three bands or artists do you listen to when you're on that plane ride? Okay, this is not going to be relatable for a lot of people, but all of the South Asians out there will be able to relate to okay. this. There's this movie called Ye Javani Hai Divani. And I listened to the soundtrack of that movie because the movie is about a guy who's exactly like me, yeah. who's traveling the world <laughs> all the time, has like vague sense of commitment issues. So we can talk about that. <laughs> um, so a lot of the songs uh, in that movie are um, very much travel-based. So I listen to that quite a lot when I'm going to getting hyped to go to a new place, yeah. for example. Um, I do have like an upbeat playlist which has a bunch of um very upbeat upbeat songs Mm -hmm. Uh, but i can't say there's quite a lot of um like travel related stuff in there it's just music that's upbeat and the third one um a lot of people will laugh at me for this but i do love listening to abba and singing along oh abba's great yeah yeah yeah. i've no qualms with that yeah yeah um the germans aren't big fans of abba i had like a no work mm. meeting where everyone was like why do you like abba excuse <laughs> <laughs> me yeah interesting okay what about one film that you'd have just to watch i don't really so i don't really watch a lot of films yeah next question would be a tv series that you'd maybe watch yeah um on on flights i would yeah. like to i have a couple of shows i like to watch uh when i eat so the office oh yeah or is that uk or american one uh, American. Sorry. Okay. No, <laughs> You're like, you look so disappointed. <laughs> um, then I also really like How I Met Your Mother. I also oh, love yeah. Modern Family. Yeah. Um, so those are like my go-to shows when I eat when, when I'm on the plane. Okay. So. so next question, two books. One's maybe a classic or a favorite that you like, and maybe a current book that you're reading. Um, one that I... I, I cannot recommend this book enough, and I don't know how many people I've bought it for. It's called Orientalism by Edward Said. Yeah, I read this when I was 23, and it yeah. changed my life. He's a Palestinian author, a really, really good book. It changed your um, life. It changed, it changed the way I viewed things and the way I viewed, like this whole wanting to decolonize my mindset and everything. It came from that, for sure. And one I'm currently reading is How to Be an Anti-Racist. It's by Ibran X. Kendi. Oh, wow. Okay. Ibran X. Kendi. Yeah. Anti-Racist. Cool. Good books. I love recommendations. I will check both those out, actually. They look pretty interesting. So I'm probably going to learn a lot of stuff, I'd imagine. Okay. Next question. What about a podcast you might listen to? Um, okay, they're always. I've been listening to a lot of Esther Perel. I don't know if you know oh, okay. Esther Perel. Not, not well, she, no. She's a really interesting psychologist. Um, she's like a relationship therapist, uh, mm-hmm. really. Uh, and she is so good, so, so good. Um, and I listen to that 
quite a lot because I, I feel like they're very self-improvement. And there's one where she does like uh, conversations with different people about their relationships and about like they have a one-time session with her and oh. she tries to somehow, you know, do therapy, but yeah. through one session and try and create some kind of a ah. bond. So that's really good. Yeah. Um, I also listen to The Daily quite a lot. I mean, I think a lot of people do. But yeah, there's quite a few, but those are the two I listen to most okay. at the moment. Anyway. That's great. Right. We're going to go into your backpack. Mm-hmm. So one piece of clothing you just have to pack for any trip. Underwear. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I think everything else, like, I don't know. The one thing I I pack in my hand luggage, if I'm like having carry-on luggage as well, is always underwear, a set of underwear, because everything else you can kind of wash. Get away with it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Kind of. Cool. What about one snack? I, I don't snack. I'm not a snacker at all. No. Get over it. Yeah. What do you Seriously. mean? You just eat meals? I just eat meals. Oh, I wish I was like you. Oh, <laughs> oh crikey. Okay. Um, <laughs> how, can I, how can I change the question? What about one... If you take one meal in your backpack, this is this is made up now. Actually, like, imagine like a ready meal box and you've got like one meal that you like. What would it be? Really hate ready meals. So I don't know. I'd probably, <laughs> this is really, I don't know how to answer that. I usually, okay. So when I'm traveling out of Germany to yeah. anywhere um, and I have to eat in the plane, I buy a sausage roll. Usually I really okay. like the sausage rolls. Yeah. That's a good answer. I like that. Okay. Generic one must have item, but you can't have your phone it's a given and maybe a laptop ipad is not allowed because people will normally carry those so another generic must have item in your backpack this is going to sound really really weird uh or not weird it's going to sound really uh cliche uh eyeliner <laughs> i've never had the answer and i've interviewed a lot of women <laughs> yeah i know it's because also i like i feel like if you see if you go through my instagram yeah. that is the thing you'll see me wear always is eyeliner it's just very south asian somehow Okay, Sorry. and quite small, so easy to pack. Yeah, it's tiny. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Nice. And do you have an item that maybe reminds you of home? I mean, I have this purse that I always carry with me. It says a little purse for that's my biggest awesome. one. Yeah, little purse. That's awesome, yeah. Yeah, that's a very good reminder, I guess, in many ways. I think uh, home is a very tricky subject for me without going too far into it. I think my idea of home is cultivating home within so yeah, tell me body. about it. I've, I've had this discussion on a few podcasts. I, I struggle with it. I don't know yeah. how to define it myself. It's it's a hard one um, because also my family, um, my dad's family is from India, actually. Say I am Bangladeshi and I always identify as Bangladeshi. But, you know, when you've, I've lived in 11 countries, grown up around the world, I, the concept of home eludes me quite often. So yeah. I think the thing I do a lot if I feel unsettled is I have this tattoo over here. I don't know if you can see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I always play with it. I just touch it. It's like a grounding thing for me. I ground myself within myself. Oh, wow. To less all over the place. <laughs> my, I think my equivalent of that would be a cup of tea. Yeah, yeah, of course. Just holding a cup of tea. I think that just gets me... I don't know, maybe, maybe that's like thinking back to when I used to love it when I was a kid, just having a cup of tea after dinner or something. I think that's my go-to. Mm, interesting. You can't get more English than that. No, unfortunately, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Home's an interesting one. I think that's another, hopefully another conversation one day we can have. But yeah, one of the best answers I've heard, because I 
I don't go anywhere home really because I just dotted about mm. quite a bit is someone said well me and my immediate family so she's talking about her and her husband and her two children that's home in terms of the the building you're in that could be in any country but as long as they're together that's home I thought oh, that's quite a good way to think about it well for me it's wherever I'm living at the time for me okay. right now yeah. home is Berlin before this when I was living in Sudan home was Sudan home is wherever I was I'm cultivating a life yeah I'm I, oh my god so, gotta sound cliche live laugh love <laughs> <laughs> oh no you gone there <laughs> you gone there <laughs> I was like, ah, these people might be onto something with that. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, 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 I agree. I agree. Okay, cool. Last question in this feature, I don't know if this will mean anything to you, is mm -hmm. do you ever carry a sporting top or jersey? Are you into your sports? Do you have like a sports team? No, I am too uh, multinational, international to give my loyalties to any one place. <laughs> I feel like that would Fair. be far too conflicting for my identity. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with that. Okay, we're going to finish the episode with some quickfire travel questions. These are normally your favourite mm -hmm. things. Hey, yeah, just a quick one before we carry on with the travel questions. I just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast. You can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with $5. Or you can go to my merch store with the affiliate link with Tee Public, where there's plenty of merch available to buy, such as T-shirts, jumpers, hoodies, and also some children's clothing. Thirdly, which is free, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or Good Pods. Also, you can find me on social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Simply just search for Winging It Travel Podcast, and you'll find me displaying all my social media content for traveling, podcasts, and other stuff. Thank you. It's travel question time quite a fun part of the show so yes. they're gonna i'm gonna start with actually i know you might mention it before just how many countries have you traveled to 97 countries 97 okay and of those 97 three countries you tell listeners right now that they should visit based on your experience okay so i'll tell you my three favorite countries then yeah south africa cape town is the most beautiful place in the world at least in half the world that I've been to. Yeah, um, yeah. Because <laughs> I've literally been to half now. Yeah. Um, uh, second would be Bosnia and Herzegovina. Literally, oh. I my favorite place in Europe and a place that I just can go back to as many times as I'd have to. People are so kind, so nice. It's so hospitable. Mm. And just I feel every time I've been, and I took my parents there last year as well, it was amazing. And third is Mexico. I have never been to a place that's so far away from where I'm from, but so similar in so many ways. Like, it's very different, but very similar. And it was amazing. I think it's diverse. It's beautiful. People are friendly and kind. It's super affordable. And yeah, anyone who can should go for sure. Awesome. Okay. And you mentioned 11 countries that you lived in. Can you just list those 11 countries? Um, Bangladesh, um, Netherlands, uh, Lesotho, the UK, Nepal, um, Azerbaijan, Germany, Ireland, Nigeria, Sierra Leone, Sudan. Wow. I'd call that diverse, a diverse yes. set of countries there. That's brilliant. Um, I always say I live a tri-continental life. Always jumping between Europe, Africa, and Asia. Somehow. Love that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. 
So, of the countries that you not travelled to, mm-hmm. what three are on your hit list? So the next three I am hopefully going to are Togo, uh, Cote d'Ivoire, and Ghana. Okay. Side question, very quickly: Are they are they going to be problematic with visas and passports? Yeah, I have to apply for them for two of them. One of them is supposed to be visa on arrival. Yeah. Hopefully, it goes well. <laughs> I, I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. It, it, it still might be a problem. Okay, I got it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if you could pick one country that you've not lived in before, so that rules at 11, and mm-hmm. live for a year, where would you go and live? Palestine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I really want to go there. I want to work. I really want to work there at some point as well because I did a master's in humanitarian action so I can work there. So I hope one day I get to go work there that'd be awesome i've actually got a podcast lined up to listen to about that yeah i'm excited to listen to about like how tourism is increasing in palestine not just Mm. israel now and there's certain guys that can work in both countries and all that sort of stuff favorite beach that you've experienced that's a very good question i think it would be in in uh seychelles um in ladique yeah Probably. I don't know. I go to so many beaches. Like, literally, <laughs> I cannot tell you. I'm a water baby. Like, I can live. I'm a beach bum slash water baby. I can just live on beaches. But I, I guess, yeah, that would, yeah, Ladique, I think. Got it. Okay. And I guess you drink coffee. Mm-hmm. Okay. So two questions okay. here. One city in the world to drink coffee and watch the world go by. Where is that going to be? And number two, do you have a country's favorite coffee in terms of how it tastes? I think the first would be Bosnia. There's something to be said about the love story between Bosnians and their coffee. Okay. Um, and they will show you how to drink it. They will involve you. They will invite you. They will immerse you in the experience of drinking coffee. And awesome. it is absolutely incredible to see how stories are woven in circles as people drink that one cup of coffee yeah little strong punch of coffee for hours they nurse it they they share so much and they do so much within those uh as they share those cups of coffee so definitely bosnia for sharing so this is going to sound really bizarre for a lot of people okay but bangladesh grows some really good coffee Okay. And I've only figured it out. I've recently figured it out. Like a few years ago, this Bangladeshi roast, uh, like it's called North End. It's this amazing uh, cafe slash uh, roasters in Bangladesh who started cultivating coffee and now roasting it and selling it. And it's from our, it's called Chittagong. It's from our hill chocolate. Oh, Chittagong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. So good. So good. Literally, I just recently, like, so good. That's all. So okay, I I'm biased. Co- no, no, I have a coffee podcast on the side to this one. Oh, so you can take me there for coffee, and then we can talk about it on that podcast. Yes, <laughs> that'd be awesome. Happy to, happy to. <laughs> That's brilliant. More than happy to. Okay, next question is going to be: God, you've been to a lot of places, so I'm going to give you a top three here. Top three favorite cities: Cape Town, Sarajevo, and the third one is difficult. Maybe Oaxaca, oh. Mexico. Yeah, Maybe. that's on my top five places to go to. Actually, yeah. I want to check that place out. It's amazing. It's really nice. Okay. Yeah. What about a favorite walk or trek that you've done? 
Um, Blue Mountains, Jamaica. Okay. Really cool. And also coffee. I went to oh. a coffee farm. We'll say that for the other podcast. Yes, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. I can tell you so much because I went to Costa Rica and did the thing with the coffee and then oh. also in, in Dominican Republic, also in, with the Geisha coffee in Panama, also with the, yeah, like just, yeah. Okay, uh, we'll take this offline. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Okay, and what about a favorite party place that you've experienced in your travels? Where do you like to party? Beirut. Uh, I've heard that before. A few people Literally, the Lebanese know how to party. And also, <laughs> there's this place called, I think, Bio 18. You go there when it's around three or four at night. It's a Civil War era bunker. You go inside, mm. you know, you climb down. And then you're, you're partying, you're partying. And all of a sudden, you realize that the roof has opened. And then the stars have turned into freaking bright light. And you've partied into the day. How wow. cool is that? That's that's insane. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Lebanon is wild. I love that country. It's crazy. Wow. So fun. Okay, cool. Love that answer. Probably the most passionate answer I've had actually for parties. <laughs> uh, what about a favorite landmark? Can be nature or man-made? It, it it would probably have to be like nature. So Table Mountain. Oh so yeah. That's is... incredible amazing i don't know it's just and also oh i think literally any waterfall you put me in front of i'm like blown away every mm. time every amazing time. aren't they amazing they're just it's just how what where yeah how does it work i i, I think i ask the question every time like, why is the water not running out yes i wonder it. it's just amazing yeah every waterfall ever but table mountain i think would be quite high up there okay Next question's huge. Are you ready for it? Oh, gosh. Top three favorite cuisines or foods that you experience in your travels? Indian, Thai, Italian. <gasps> yeah. A Mexican is like, yeah, Mexican would be like somewhere tied with Italian. You just, named, you just named my four. That's my four. I don't yeah. know what order, but it's, it's that four. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Brilliant. Yeah. We, we are... On the same line there. That's brilliant. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, I've got here. Have you done like a favorite high adrenaline activity on your travels? Um, but um, skydiving, like adrenaline. Yeah, any yeah anything like yeah. that. Yeah, skydiving. Yeah, I skydived yeah. in Kenya. I yeah. bungee jumped in Nepal. I went paragliding in Lebanon and in Nepal, and but yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I love how I casually tell people I jumped off a plane. Yeah, jumped off. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> I find jumping off of things easy, but going in water is a big fear of mine. So I need to, I need ah. to sort that out. Mm. Okay, I love diving. So yeah, I, it's like... I'm a bit envious. Really, I need to sort it out big time. <laughs> okay, last question of this feature and almost for the podcast is: What words or advice and wisdom can you pass on to someone who's maybe unsure about? traveling and making that leap to go and travel what could you say to them you will never learn as much as you will if you go traveling because you are going to be just so much more receptive to every single thing that happens around you so you will learn in experiences you will learn in smells you will learn in touch in sight in noises in sounds in every single thing you will experience the learning in a way that carves into your memory and kind of changes who you are 
as opposed to if you just learn something online or learn something from a book the way you experience life will change forever because you will learn to see it from a different perspective you will you will see i i know you you said a few words but mm. in just a few words how important it is to expose yourself to new new people new experiences it it challenges your small mindedness it challenges your world views it challenges your world so you rediscover what it is that you believe in and what your core is actually as as a person so yeah please go traveling great answer love that answer awesome okay to finish off where can people find yourself on social media and your website um, on social media, I'm on Instagram and on Facebook, Maliha Around the World. Um, and my website is MaliharaRoundTheWorld.com. So all pretty much the same. Please find me and ping me <laughs> and tell me what I should do, what you want to read about, and so on. Awesome. Okay, Maliha, that's been a really fun, interesting, and I've learned a lot. Like This conversation has been great, and I feel like I could talk to you for hours. So. Thanks for making time to come on the podcast. It's been such good fun. Thank you for having me. Um, it's been lovely to speak to you. And it really feels like speaking to an old friend. Like, yeah, really. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like we yeah. know each other from like years ago or something. But thank you, James, for having me and for taking the time to ask such um, thoughtful questions. And I had a great time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my Winging It Travel podcast episode today. You can find me on Instagram at James Hammond Travel or Winging It Travel Podcast. You can search for both. I release weekly clips of this podcast episode as well as photos from the last 8 to 10 years of my travels. You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel Podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels And there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice. Alternatively, you can rate this on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. This really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content. And I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there, reviewing it and enjoying the content so far. Stay safe. Stay humble. Keep listening. Keep traveling. And I'll catch you soon. Cheers, James.